praise you and thank you for all that you do and for all that you accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Paul says, therefore, this is 2 Corinthians 4, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have reached, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Of course, therefore, he's because he's been justifying what's his ministry to those in the past. He's been, some had charged him. He wasn't a good speaker. He didn't look very good and uh, wasn't very educated and all those things that they would charge him for. But he says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, uh, now we have received mercy and we faint not. Brethren, we have, we have this ministry at the mercy of God. Yes. Do you know that? this ministry. We go on and said, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in the craftiness or in craftiness, nor holding, handling the word of God deceitfully, but by administration of the truth, con, con, uh, by administration of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded his, the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, uh, uh, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who, command, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that, we, that the exceeding, the excellency of the power may be of God and not, in, not of us. We are troubled... On every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. For, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. If so then, death worketh in us, but life in you. Paul said he was at any time really ready that he could give himself up for Christ. I wonder are we at that point? We may be reaching that point to where we'll go to that once again. Verse 13, he says, for we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing this, that he which raised up Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. I'm going to stop reading for time's sake right there. But I want to speak to you today on therefore speak, therefore speak. 
If you were looking at this whole chapter, we would see that the Apostle Paul continues to write in defense of his ministry uh, and his ministry of the Word of God. If you were dividing this chapter up, you'd divide it up maybe into two, uh, two, two parts. The first part, we'd see the theme of his ministry in the, those first seven verses. And then we would see the trials in his ministry beginning in verse 8 down to verse 18. I didn't read all the verses, of course. But it was in those trials of his ministry that he, was, that he said, even though he had the trials, even though he was cast down, even though persecuted, he said, I believe and therefore have I spoken. Amen. Brother, we need to speak the word of God. We need to stay with the word of God and say what God says. No more than what God says. Uh, with the word of God constantly under attack, Paul, uh, in his trials, seeks to bring glory to God. I hope that is your, your, your uh, goal. We would see in these first six verses that I read to bring glory to God in the salvation that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a day when there are those that are trying to say there's salvation in any other, uh, except Christ. They want to take Christ out. In other words, Christ uh, is one of the ways that people can come to God. We know this Bible does not teach that. Unlike the legalists who, who had invaded the, the church Paul's day, Paul had nothing to hide from them. He spoke the truth, the, the plain truth. Uh, the Jewish religious system, uh, uh, the, Jewish, the, the Jewish religious system veiled the, the gospel, but Paul revealed the gospel. Uh, you see that when he says we have this ministry that he, he said we've moved from the ministry of the law and that that condemns to a ministry of grace that sets us free. Amen. And so uh, the image here, it was taken from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 and then it's transferred of course and we would know into 2 Corinthians five seventeen: if any man be in Christ he's a new creature. Behold old things are passed away. Behold all things are become new. But then in verse 7 down to 12, we would see he's trying to glorify God in his service for Christ. Paul had paid the price for his ministry, but these legalists went about collecting all the honors. We'd go back in chapter 3, verse 1, and see Paul said, Do I need to commend myself again to you? They were collecting, of course, all the honors. But we, Paul was just saying we are vessels, the true, uh, the treasure of the gospel life within is important to us. And the, as, as vessels, we, we must be clean and available for God's use. Uh, I would just reference here 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 to 21. I'll not take the time to read that. I had planned to, but Kirk kept us at the table at lunch too long, so I can't do that. But then also he wanted to glorify, he wanted to glorify God through his sufferings. We see in verse 13 when he but where he said, uh, having, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. I believe, therefore have I spoken. Jesus suffered and, and, and turned that suffering into, the, into glory. And by faith, we can do the very same thing. It's, it's not wrong to, of course, to care for the outward person. And I find as the years go on, Somebody said, if I'd known I was going to live this long, Brother Bobby, I'd have taken better care of myself early on. But, uh, uh, but it's not wrong to take care of the, of the outward person uh, so long as we recognize 
that that person is perishing. We understand that. So we concentrate on the inner person, the inner man, don't we? Uh, it's uh, the invisible that is, that is imperishable. Uh, the best, of course, is yet to come. Now, with all of this in mind, as we look to verse 13 again, um, we see that he said, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Paul is actually quoting here, taking a verse from Psalm 116, verse 10, where the psalmist said, I believed, therefore have I spoken. I, be- I believe, therefore have I spoken. And through all the, his persecutions and his sufferings, Paul's testimony uh, was, a st- was the same standard. He was willing to stand on what he believed. Are we willing to stand on what we believe? And we find that there are many today that are not standing on what they were taught, not standing on what the Word of God says. We face many, of course, the same attacks upon the Word of God uh, that we believe and preach. There are those that um, make fun of us, those that, that uh, would cast us out because we preach the Word of God from what we believe, that what we believe is God's preserved Bible that we have in the King James Bible. We believe that this is God's preserved Word to us. And uh, we believe that and we, we, we champion that. Many of these assaults come from an unbelieving world. Uh, from which you could expect nothing better. You can never expect the world to accept what we believe. And I don't believe that this Bible was written for the world. I believe it was written for the Christian. For the Christian. Now, this Bible tells a man that's lost how he can be saved. But, you know, we, we've gotten to a place in America, it seems at least, and a lot of, a lot of preachers, and I have to be careful here because... You, you talk to any people in our church and they will tell you that we believe in a, in a moral lifestyle. But preaching morality does not bring salvation. You can keep all the Ten Commandments and just still be lost. So we want people, of course, to be moral, don't we? But um, uh, many of these assaults are coming from the unbelieving world. This fallen world is never going to agree with the Word of God. And it's sad that a great number of these attacks on our God-breathed book have come from those who should be standing, but unfortunately are bowing at the altar of scholarship, uh, invading, uh, elevating the knowledge above their knowledge above the preserved Word of God by constantly, constantly correcting or changing, thus saith the Lord. Uh, I was telling the brothers at lunch that we, we just saw in a bookstore uh, it's a bookstore that, uh, around in Tennessee that we just came through, and they sell a lot of used books and a special Christian book. They had one that was shrink-wrapped there, and it was, uh, it was called uh, Build Your Own Bible. It was a King James, supposedly, but Build Your Own Bible. And I thought, well, how, how do you do that? I mean, you know, you, uh, certainly you wouldn't expect somebody from Tennessee to build their own Bible. Uh, but anyway, the... the uh, no, but I want you to notice here, the, I'm from Tennessee, by the way. That's why I could get by saying that. Uh, all right, but they're constantly changing, thus saith the Lord. Just look with me just a moment. If the battle, first of all, is on the word of God, we'd see in the first two verses. Then we see the battle goes to the gospel of Christ in verse 3 and 4. 
Then the battle goes to the deity of Christ in the middle of verse 4 down to verse 5. They're always battling on changing the word of God about the deity of Christ. And then verse 6, we see their challenges on the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Folks, you should believe, if you believe your Bible, that God is a sovereign God. God does what he wills, when he wills, how he wills, and where he wills, and he doesn't have to ask me, ask me or you what to do. Amen. But uh, that scares a lot of people, but uh, that's the truth. That's the, that's the Bible truth. But then in verse 10, we see the challenges upon the sacrifice of Christ. Notice he says, always... And always, in verse 10, in indicates that the sufferings of Paul, that Paul experienced were really endless sufferings. Uh, this suffering was a result of the attacks against the Lord Jesus Christ. Not Paul especially. Do you realize that, that those uh, folks that attack the Word of God and attack us, they are really not attacking us. They're attacking God. They're attacking Jesus Christ. That's what they hate. That's what this world hates. It hates God. It hates Jesus Christ. Uh, so these haters of Jesus Christ uh, took out their vengeance, uh, on the, take out their vengeance on those who represent Christ. You see, they can't get to, they got their hands on Christ one time. They'll never get their hands on him again. Hallelujah. And uh, so, but they won't, they won't uh, to take vengeance out on those who represent him. As we look at these verses in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 to 18, we would see what really kept Paul going and from fainting and giving up the fight for the word of God. Uh, there's sometimes on Monday mornings we wake up, uh, Brother Knupp, and say, uh, it's time to get, up, get out of here. You know, no, just don't do the ministry anymore. Get, <laughs> on Monday mornings, you see. Uh, but no, we don't, we don't do that, do we? No. What was it that kept Paul going? In verse 13, we find out it was the faith that kept him going. He said, we have the same faith. That's the same faith of the fathers that trusted Jesus Christ. We, of those, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. The same faith, this faith was the faith of the saints of old, which, which uh, is, of course, the operation of the Spirit of God, of course. And Paul, Paul uh, gives David, of course, the, uh, as an example in that verse 10, as we said, where David said, I believed, therefore have I spoken. So Paul, Paul, Paul makes the, the, same, the same proclamation here in verse 14. So what kept him going? Well, it was the faith that kept him going. And first, then in verse 14, we see it's the hope of the resurrection that kept him going. Yes. He believed, and Jesus said, because I live, ye too shall live. Amen. And then verse 15 and 16, it was the glory of God that kept him. His life, he wanted his life to be a, bring glory to God. And then it was the reward of eternal sufferings, uh, the, the eternal reward of sufferings. Uh, that Paul that kept Paul from fainting, verse 17. And then, of course, in verse 18, the remembrance of eternal life that kept Paul from giving up. Now, it was sound doctrine that kept this great apostle going in the midst of ridicule. It does matter how our Bible reads. Amen. The rewording, the manipulating, and the deleting, and sometimes 
complete passages does change the meaning of the scripture and affects the behavior of society. And it affects, unfortunately, the beliefs of many Christians and affects the church. And therefore, as these revisionists, and watch this word, other version onlyism crowd. Other version onlyism. They'll take every other version, Brother Bobby, except the King James. The other version only is them crap. And those groups that they attacked our attack our preserved Bible, and we that we we see the climate and behavior of the culture within the church being affected when that happens. Someone has said this, and I believe it was probably in one of the uh, confessionals or whatever. And I, I don't disagree with this. It said, "Belief is all important." For what a man believes, that will he speak. And how he speaks, that will lead to how he acts. Belief is of fundamental basic importance. And we do believe that, don't we? Now at this point, I want us to go turn back to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 23 and see in Luke chapter 23 the importance of what we believe as it's illustrated in the words of the dying thief and examine what he believed and how he spoke and how it's altered by the critics. This manipulation of the Bible and its doctrine is of vital importance to us today. What did this dying thief believe? Well, let's look to verse 39. This is, we I take you to Calvary, and of course we find that the inscription had been placed over our Lord, saying this is the king of the Jews. But verse 39 says, and one of the male factors which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself in us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Here we have the thief nailed to the cross, with his hands and his feet nailed to the cross. He's covered with the sweat and the blood and the shame and the guilt of sin. And the first thing he says and he answers to this critic, Dost not thou fear God? We recognize, he recognized the sovereignty of God. Each time these revisionists print their books and leave out the dist or distort the passages so as to deny the deity of the blessed Son of God, they're attacking the sovereignty of God. It's mind-boggling that this dying man could recognize that this is God hanging there beside him and the educated scholarly textual critics can't see, 
can't see it, and take every opportunity they can to remove or diminish the doctrine of the deity of Christ and the sovereignty of God by attacking his eternal sonship. I don't have time to go into all those versions, but the NASB, the NIV, and the NEB manipulate the text here, making, making Christ a son rather than the firstborn son in places. Each time they insert their distortions to the text, they strike at the sovereignty of God and the deity of Christ. This dying thief recognized this is God. Why can't they see it? Remember in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. This is another place very quickly. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. He says, For without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified by the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the, wor uh, in the world, received up into glory. In this verse, these perversions take out God and replace it with He. He. They've taken God out of it completely. Over in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and verse 25. We'll not go there, but you, under, you know what it is. Instead of the Son of God, the ESV, the NASB, and the NIV, and the, and the Holman Christian Standard Bible read, the Son of the Gods. Then back in John chapter 9, verse 35, they manipulate this in the New American Standard, and the ESV, and the Holman, and the NIV. It's the Son of Man instead of the Son of God, as it is in our King James Bible. Then in Romans, by the way, Romans is more up to date. <laughs> Romans chapter 1 is more up to date than, than any newspaper, yeah. isn't it? Uh, but Romans chapter 1 verse 3 in our King James Bible says, Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. This, little, this title is omitted from the ESV and the New American Standard NIV. This same omission occurs again then in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This dying thief recognized the sovereignty of God and the deity of Christ. These revisionists challenge the incarnation of Christ and his deity. Scripture always exalts Christ. John chapter 14, 15 to 16, when the Spirit comes He'll point to Christ, the Word of God says. He'll not point to man. He'll not point to the church. He'll point to Christ. A man told me years ago, he said, when a, when a, group, when a group goes to seed on the Spirit all the time, they'll be, end up being fanatics. When they go to seed all the time on God, they'll be fatalist. When they go to seed and uplift Christ all the time, they become fruitful. Amen. Amen. The scripture always exalts Christ. And when any translation or word that detracts from Christ, it's a perversion and it's an attack on the truth. You see, this is what the world does not like is the truth. It's the truth. It's not really a fat Baptist preacher that they don't like. It's the truth they don't like. It's not, it's, it's not 
how you comb your hair or whatever you two guys do. It, it is, it is a, it's the truth that they can't stand. The truth. And any translation or word that detracts is an attack on the truth. We also believe and therefore we speak. That's why we're here this week. But then look in your, your Bible again, verse 41. Notice what this believing thief said. And we indeed justly. Now he had just said we receive the same condemnation. But he said, and we indeed justly. He believed in the sinful state of man. Do you realize that the, these perversions of the scripture do not hold man accountable for sin? As the believing thief addresses this unbelieving male factor, the tone of the text indicates that he believes in the sinfulness of man. The Bible says here in verse 40 and 41 again, and I'll read them together, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. These textual critics with their new versions uh, do not believe in man, that man is sinful. Oh, you can educate him out of his sinfulness, right? No, 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 no. No, no, you, 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 can, uh, you can move him out of the ghetto and put him, put him in a palace, and that's going to straighten it out, right? No. Years ago when I was teaching in elementary school, I remember Charlotte's Web. Do you remember Zuckerman's famous pig? You don't. You're from Tennessee. You ought to know about pigs. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can wash them off, and you can, you can spray them down with perfume. You can put a bow on his tail, and in five, turn him loose, and in five minutes he's back in the muck and the mire. Amen. Zuckerman's famous. You need to read about that, Bobby. Zuckerman's famous pig. You see, these textual critics with their new versions, they don't believe in the sinfulness of man. Just, they're just misguided, or they're, they're sick, or just they have the wrong environment. By the way, I moved. We moved out of the hills of Tennessee, and I was just as sinful when we moved to the city as, as I was when I lived in the, in the sticks. As Westcott and Horton, some of, these, uh, some of these new versions just completely omit this, this verse. Again, here, and, and then in Luke 9, verse 56, the new versions, the, 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 the new versions uh, such as the message, the Holman and ESV and the NIV completely omit sin and salvation from, from this verse by, by simply saying, and they went on to another village. This is Luke chapter 9, verse 56. But this dying thief believed in the sinfulness of man. The critics of the King James Bible and the revisionists do not believe that. We, believe, we also believe 
and therefore we speak. But then notice in verse 41 again, he says, we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing amiss. They also believed in the sinlessness of Christ. But this man hath done nothing amiss. This dying malefactor understood the deity of Christ, and therefore he understood his sinlessness. He understood he was without sin. It seems that those who want to do, that they want us to do better to understand our Bible, they give us these things. They also want to do away with the impeccability and the sinlessness of Christ. Luke chapter 2 and verse 22, and when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's interesting that Luke 2.22 in the NIV in the message and, uh, and then the New American Standard, the ESV and the Holman all mislead the reader into thinking that it was Christ that had to be purified according to the law of Moses. He was without sin. The text speaks of Mary's purification. Again, in the same chapter, verse 33, in ESV, NIV, and New American Standard, the message in the Holman, all give the impression by changing Joseph to father that Joseph was the father of Jesus. This would give Jesus the same sinful nature as Joseph, would it not? And therefore, re re rejecting the sinlessness of Christ, the Son of God. This is the same, the same sleight of hand that the revisionists used in their critical text. The dying thief understood that there was no fault in him. We also believe, therefore we speak. That's why we're here. Then, back, well, I want us to look back in verse 40 again. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing we are in the same condemnation? Let me say to you, they believed also in the substitutionary death of our Savior. Seeing thou art in the same condemnation. The book of Colossians tells us in Colossians chapter 1, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the, of the, inheritance, uh, of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. And that translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Through his blood, in that verse, is omitted, omitted completely in the ESV, the New American Standard, the NIV, and the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. This dying criminal understood that Christ was tasting death for every man. Why can't the critics of the King James Bible see it? We also believe, therefore we speak. And following Westcott and Hort's lead, this, here it is again, other version onlyism crowd, omit Christ's death for us. In 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. 
And then we would see also in, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Notice he said he suffered, Christ has suffered for us. He believed in the substitutionary death of the blessed Son of God. And then in verse 42, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. This believing thief also understood and believed salvation to the uttermost. Yes. Lord, remember me. I'm sure right then he was thinking of why he was hanging there on the cross. Yeah. Can I possibly be forgiven for why I'm hanging here? Lord, remember me. You see, because he was forgiven, you could be forgiven. Amen. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Yep. Was it not Paul that said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we know it well, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. By the way, this little phrase, not ashamed, seems to be the uh, buzzword for a lot of, uh, of, the, of the sayings now for a lot of the churches if I've, I've been in, in places I've seen, maybe for their Bible schools or some of their Bible conferences. But the problem with that is they're not ashamed, some of these places, but they change it. I didn't think you were ashamed of it. Here again, the revisionists attack the Word of God. And here again, I believe they're attacking God is what they're doing. Amen. Attacking the word of God and then the ESV and the NSV and, uh, and the message. And did you, Do you realize that some of these people that take the other versions, though, a lot of them are throwing out the NIV now. Have you noticed that? You know that? Because they realize how, how wrong it is. But here again, the revisionists attacking the word of God are destroying the fact that the gospel of Christ, it is the gospel of Christ that is the power of God into salvation. It's not changing my environment. It's not educating me. It's the, it's the gospel of Christ is the power of God and salvation. The Bible says this, for whosoever, Amen. Romans 10, 13, Amen. for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. I remember years ago, I was preaching on the street in Greenville, South Carolina, on a Saturday night. And uh, I noticed that there were these two young girls listening. By the way, I was standing there, and I, had, I, had, I was using the trash can for my pulpit. And uh, there in Greenville, in the main street on Greenville, I don't remember the road that comes that T-bones into that main street. But back then... On Saturday night, it was a traffic jam in Greenville. 
all the kids were out in their convertibles and their Jeeps and their pickup trucks and all of this. And there's this, there's this guy, there's this truck coming facing me, and I was standing right there at the T-bone with my Bible open. I was preaching, and the guy in the back of a truck, back of the pickup truck, took an old license plate and swung it like that. And that thing went right by my head, just zoom, right by my head. If I had gone this way, it would have, it would have probably decapitated me. But then I noticed there were these two young girls. They were probably 16 years old going on. And they kept listening, listening. And so as people were handing out tracts and so forth. And so after I got through, I walked over to them. And I said, do you, do you girls know the Lord? And they said, no. And I said, where do you live? And they said, we work on the street. And I said, would you like to know Christ as your Savior? Would you be willing to repent of your sin and accept Calvary's cross, the work on Calvary's cross by Jesus Christ to save you from your sin? They said, yes, sir. All three of us bowed right there on the sidewalk. And they, they asked Christ to save them. And when we got through, there was this little boy ran up to them and said, so-and-so said, come on. I said, son, you get out of here and leave these girls alone. Somebody was calling them. Their, their, their leader was calling them. I said, you get out of here and leave them alone. Go on. And I said, what are you girls going to do now? And one of the little girls said this. She reached in the, po- in the back pocket of her cut-off blue jeans, and she pulled a bus ticket out. She said, I've got, a, I've got a ticket to Knoxville, Tennessee, to my family. I'm going to go home. I said, how long have you been here, young lady? She said, since I was 14 years old. Oh, he said, it's the power of the God, the gospel that snatches her out. And uh, so... And they said, we don't want this life anymore, as far as I know. For whosoever, you see, if I had not bowed and prayed with them, if I had not given, made sure that they were trusting Christ, they're trusting the sacrifice of Christ. Not their prayer, but their heart was trusting Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We also believe and therefore speak. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day and there have I, though vile is he, washed all my sins away. Hallelujah. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Amen. We believe, therefore we speak. Do you know him? If so, do you speak? Do we keep the word of God and keep it pure?